0: Every year, we ask the Lord for a special word, uh, a theme to guide us as a church, and uh, we're going to be talking about that today. So let's just take a moment and and I'll pray uh, for us as we begin. Lord, we ask that you speak to us today. We believe you've been speaking to us all uh, year long, uh, every single day, Lord. You have something valuable that you want to say to us. You're shaping and forming us uh, and so, Lord, I pray that for the next uh, 45 minutes or so, uh, all, uh, all eyes are open, all ears are open, all hearts are open, all minds are open to you, Lord. We thank you. You are a God who loves us uh, more than we'll ever know. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. So, as I said, uh, every year we ask the Lord for a special word a theme to guide us as a church, and this process usually begins in late spring, and then it's kind of affirmed and amplified throughout the summer. We keep saying, Lord, what is it that you want us to do for the next year? And we pray through that all through the year, Uh, and uh, we study. We read, we listen to the congregation and the community around us, Uh, we look at what's happening in our culture, and so today we're going to share what the Lord has been saying to us about where he wants to take us in 2017, and we're going to spend the next several months kind of fleshing out this idea and what it looks like for us to live this way. But first, I want to establish where we are right now. Uh, We just concluded 2016, which was a turning point Uh, in our church's history. So where have we been, and where are we now, and where are we going? Uh, Let's talk about, I just want to review real quickly three things, and this is on your outlines if you want to fill these in. Uh, What is our mission? Why do we exist? Our mission is, has always been to make disciples, of Jesus Christ both locally and globally. That's what it's all about. We're not here to make just converts, just have people pray a prayer and and get dunked in the baptismal and that's it. We are here to make disciples, mature, courageous, heroic, faithful followers of Jesus, not just here but also abroad. Our vision is to be a church that loves the unchurched and that unchurched people love to attend. Most churches are uh, just kind of playing musical chairs with other churches. They're just swapping Christians around. Uh, and, and I believe that our church, we believe that our church needs to be reaching unchurched people. Uh, that includes people who have never, uh, don't know anything about God, uh, grew up in a, maybe a different faith tradition or no faith tradition. Uh, that includes people who are dechurched, who used to go to church but somehow uh, either walked away from their faith or just got disillusioned with Christianity. And, and so they are dechurched. Uh, and so we are, are looking to reach people that are, are not currently attending anywhere. And our legacy, uh, in terms of our, our future, is always going to be dependent and determined by whether or not we bear fruit and multiply. So that means believers are multiplying believers, that means uh, churches are multiplying churches, that means that leaders are reproducing leaders. Uh, and so, reproduction, we know, is the mark of maturity, right? You're a doctor, right, Chris? And so, uh, you know that when the human body is ready to bear uh, uh, babies, then we consider it mature. We consider that person mature, right? Uh, reproduction is the mark of maturity. And all churches, we know, eventually die. There is no church that has been established since Jesus' day that is still around today, Right? There are some churches that maybe last 100 years, 200, maybe some even 400 or more. But there's no church that's been around 2,000 years except the global church of Jesus, right? And so, uh, as you know, you also will one day die. And we think about what we want to accomplish before we die, right? Some of us have a lot of time, some maybe not quite so much. Uh, Our job is not to have the longest lifespan possible. That's not actually the goal of life, is to live as long as you can and just kind of hold on as long as you can, right? The point of life is to make the most of what you have, the time that you have. We want to bear as much fruit as we can as a church before the Lord says, your time is finished, right? So one day, Trinity won't be here anymore. There'll be another church here or another another work. So before that happens, how much can we do together, right? If our goal is survival, some churches are just trying to survive. Like, man, we can just make it to another year and not lose too many people and squeeze by in our budget. Okay, we balance the budget. Yay, we did it. That's not what the church is for. If our goal is survival instead of fruitfulness, we've missed the point. There are some people that sacrifice their lives in order to have a much bigger impact, right? It's like, uh, you know, all these... Stories of heroism that you see. Right? What would happen if a church willingly gave up its life in order to have a bigger impact? What if we said, we're going to take everything that we have in the bank i we're going to invest all of it this year. All of it. And we might not survive financially, but we know that's going to have a big impact. Now, I'm not suggesting that we do that. Maybe the Lord will lead us to do that. I don't know. I'm just saying, my friends, that our, our mentality, our goal is not Survival. It's fruitfulness. Yes? right? Yeah. So uh, that's our, our mission, our vision, our legacy, just to make sure we're all on the same page. Let's talk about 2016. Our theme last year was flow. And this came from uh, Revelation 22:12. We always have a theme verse every year. Revelation 22:12, which says this. This is a, a, some of the very last words of the Bible. And we're getting a vision of this kingdom that God is ushering in. It says here that the angel showed me, meaning John, the one who wrote this, who recorded this vision from the Lord. The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. And it's this amazing, beautiful image of Jesus on his throne and from his flowing waters of life all through the city, bringing life wherever it touches. And we took this as our theme verse for last year. The idea here is that God is a God of motion. God is always moving. God is always leading his people forward, always doing a new thing. In Matthew 4.18, Jesus sees Peter and Andrew fishing, And what does he say? He says, come, follow me. He doesn't say, come, I'm going to sit with you for a while. He says, no, come on, we're going. Let's go. Come, follow me, and I will send you out to fish for people. In John 3, 3, Jesus explains to Nicodemus, he says, if you want to see the kingdom of God, you must be what? Born again. You must be born again. God is always doing a new thing, Right? In Matthew 18.3, Jesus says, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You must follow. You must be born again. You must change. In Revelation 21.5, just after the verse on the screen, he says, Behold, I am making all things new. So God is a God of motion. He's always asking us to change and follow and be born again. Rethink things. Change the way that we live. God is always asking us to grow and move and change. And the Holy Spirit moves and flows through this world and draws us forward and says, get in that flow. So we believe that God is calling us to be a river church. What most churches are is a lake church. People flow in and then they just stay there, right? Right? And the idea is to get more and more people into one place, gathered around one pastor. 500, 1,000, 10,000, 50,000 gathering around one pastor in one place. A river church is different. People flow in, but they keep moving. And they move downstream. And God may take them to other places to minister. And the measurement is not about volume contained. It's about flow rate, right? The the, the measurement is not about gallons retained. It's about gallons per minute. Pastor Larry Wachemeyer says that for his church, uh, this meant that God was saying to them, stop worrying about growing your numbers. Instead, begin to send people out to start new churches. New people will come to fill their place. And he said, we sense the Lord saying, if you focus on flowing instead of just growing your church, just watch what I'm going to do. I felt like God was saying that to them. And so they have a mid-sized church called Light and Life Christian Fellowship down in Long Beach. And their mid-sized church of five or six hundred people, they had to decide whether they were gonna get a bigger facility. And God said, No, I want you to become a river church. I don't want you to keep gathering, just send people away. And then you'll have more room, right? Uh, and so in the past 20, 30 years or so, they have planted 19 churches locally and another 25 churches internationally. One church. Sometimes they've sent a quarter of their people away, their best leaders, right, in order to start a new work. Now, what would you rather have? They could have maybe gone from 500 and maybe got a bigger place and gotten to 1,000 and said, yay, we're successful. And instead they said, no, we're going to keep sending away 19 churches locally, 25 churches internationally, one church. What's more effective? Still water is stagnant. You don't want to drink from still water. You want to drink from flowing water. Moving water is fresh and it's life-giving. And our world is dry and it is barren and it is broken. And it needs fresh, flowing, living water. And so we started asking, what communities and groups do we flow through? What do you flow through each day, right? Eileen, Andre, you you work in in different places. You have very interesting uh, communities that you flow through. And so how do we bring the living water of Jesus into those places where we flow? How is the spirit moving in our city? And how do we jump into that river? So our prayer this past year was this. Oh, Lord, our God. Let's read it together. This is what we prayed all year. We said, oh, Lord, our God, we've gathered in your most holy name, that we might drink together from the water of life. We come to praise you, for you are Lord of all creation, to enjoy you, for you are our Heavenly Father, to learn from you, for you are a wonderful Counselor, and to serve you, for you are our Almighty King. We, we pray to open up the floodgates of heaven, Lord, and let the river of life flow through this great city as we seek to love our neighbors as you have loved us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, I'm telling you, I'm here to tell you today, that God answered that prayer in some huge ways this past year. We prayed that every week, faithfully, every week. And here are some of the ways that God has answered that. The most obvious thing is that uh, God allowed us to become a multi-site church this year. We we added a second campus over in uh, Roland Heights. When Hillside Community Church of the Nazarene decided uh, to join us, and we adopted them, and now we have another campus out there. We so our people. We sent about thirty-five of our of our strongest uh, leaders, faithful givers, uh, and some young families. We we sent them over there, and so people from this church flowed eastward, right down the sixty freeway, <laughs> uh, toward the community of Roland Heights and La Habra and. Whittier and Hacienda Heights and West Covina and Pomona and Diamond Bar. And now we have a presence there. We've joined some other believers, and we're helping to revitalize that church and and push into the community. We're so grateful because our new family trusted us so much. We have a five-acre piece of property with a wonderful facility, and people for, for the last 40 years have just poured and poured into that ministry, but for some reason it just shrunk and they weren't able to sustain it. But man, they poured into that. You can look at things there and and people say, I built that with my
1: hands, you
0: know? And people gave with giving campaigns and invested thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars into that. And they trusted us so much and they said, here. Please, please receive what we have to give you. We would like to join with you. It's amazing to me. Absolutely amazing. And so God has given us another outpost, another base camp from which to impact lives for Christ. Amazing people, beautiful facility, tons of space to expand. This year we said farewell to three pastors. Uh, Pastor Sam Chung, who was the senior pastor of Hillside uh, before, uh, and became our Roland Heights campus pastor. Uh, he eventually felt led to become the interim Cantonese pastor at PASNAZ and so he he left uh, but he was instrumental in bringing this whole thing together. Pastor In Se Kwong who was our uh, Roland Heights Korean pastor uh, finally retired after many many years of ministry uh, and Pastor Dorcas our uh, our Monterey Park Chinese pastor also stepped down in November uh, and so people are flowing, people are moving. Um, God has sent us new leaders. Uh, my wife, Pastor Christine, has become our new Roland Heights campus pastor. <coughs> pastor Joseph and Joanna Nye and are our new Roland Heights Chinese pastors. And so God just is sending us leaders uh, and workers for the harvest. Uh, we um, we share the same values. Uh, the same commitment to multicultural ministry. We have uh, two campuses, 350 people across six congregations. It's amazing. We're so diverse. I love it. Um, And I want to share one thing, which I just found out this weekend. Normally, when you do a merger, uh, people tell you to prepare uh, that the cost of that merger will be about $100,000 over the year uh, with legal fees and renovations and adjusting staffing levels and all of that. And we got pretty nervous because that turned out to be true. Uh, ever since we merged in, uh, in April, month by month, we were just kind of in the red just a little bit because, because of some of those added costs. And we're making, we made adjustments to our budget to try and stem that. But by the December, uh, we were, um, our expenses were exceeding our revenue on both campuses put together by about $100,000. And we have reserves. We had about $400,000 in reserves, so we could absorb it. But man, we were getting a bit nervous. We're saying, Lord, what are you going to, how are you going to, this is your problem. It's your church. Um, And we're trying to be faithful, but Lord, what are you going to do? And in December, we asked uh, everyone to consider giving a generous year-end gift. We do that every year. Um, And we typically get uh, some additional revenues that month. People are just feeling in the giving spirit, and they want to support what we do. And this month, between our two campuses, in addition to some funds we got from our preschool, which is profitable at the moment, it's not always that way, but right now it is. In one month, we wiped out that entire red ink. I was blown away when I got back, and I saw how generous you had been this past month. In one month, that was all wiped out so God is, is honoring, I think, our step of faith. And this next month, we're starting clean. And we have plenty of reserves, and things are looking good for us. And so I appreciate your generosity, because when you give, you allow us to do all the things that we do. Uh, this year, another way that God enabled us to flow into the uh, community and the world around us is our mission trips. We had amazing mission trips this year. Uh, Pastor John over here actually led two of them down to Mexico, uh, one early in the summer, and uh, you heard some testimonies about that. It was our biggest team uh, ever. We also uh, had a men's team go down during the summer uh, to help build a new sanctuary for Luzi Poder Church, which is our strategic ministry partner in the region. And then also over the Christmas holidays, as you heard earlier, Pastor John led our first family missions trip. We had several families go down and spend time uh, with the poor. Uh, we brought a whole bunch of bunk beds down and, uh, and built them and uh, it just really encouraged people, went to a women's shelter. You're going to hear in a couple of minutes a few of those a test- couple of those testimonies, but it's amazing that God has allowed us to flow uh, that way. Uh, we also uh, celebrated sending um, Teddy Toyotomi uh, to Australia, Now, we didn't just ship her there in a box. She was sent there on purpose for a reason. Um, She uh, joined YWAM, Youth with a Mission. She's doing a six-month DTS, Discipleship Training School there. This is part of the outflow of what we are calling our young people to do, which is to consider a midterm missions trip for every young person at some point in their 20s to spend significant time abroad. And a midterm mission trip, we define that as being between six months to two years. It'll change you forever, right? um, And so Teddy was one of the first uh, to, to take us up on that. And it was awesome. And I just believe we we're be one of many. What if every young person in their 20s, maybe between high school and college or a gap year in college or maybe just after college, before they start their career, in their 20s, they say, I'm going to give a year of my time to the Lord. I will serve him uh, in the mission field man, wouldn't that be amazing? And so God has been allowing us to flow uh, like that. And I'm going to share a few more things, and then I'm going to ask for uh, a couple of uh, testimonies. Um, We also uh, have a very vibrant men's ministry and women's ministry that are doing discipleship programs uh, and and really uh, investing in lives one-on-one. Uh, And this is a picture here of some of our men who are being trained in how to change the oil in your car. And they did that because we did an outreach to single moms in our community and put an ad in the paper and just said, anyone who'd like to come and have their oil changed for free, we would love to serve you and your families. And the women's ministry came and had a craft table set up. We had games for the kids. It was awesome. we liked like what, 35 women part- uh, who came and signed up for that. We had no idea if this was going to work, but it was such a simple thing to do, and it was, it was uh, just a great way to love on the community. So our men's and women's ministries are doing great. Um, we also uh, partnered uh, with a group called Fiducia, which uh, helps uh, to train a small group of volunteers to go into the community to get to know their neighbors. Uh, uh, we, we collected goods for our local food banks. Uh, we joined with Family Promise to, to help uh, families find affordable housing. Uh, and this, one, this uh, card right here, which Johnny shared on the other campus last week, I don't believe this campus has seen it yet, is a thank you card from, one, from an inmate in prison. We uh, uh, served uh, his child uh, in our angel tree project and when we had through that party and gave a gift to his child on, on, their, on his behalf. And he just wrote us a thank you card. He said, Dear Blessing, I guess that's our name as the church now, Blessing. Um, Dear Blessing, thank you so much for the compassion, for the understanding, for the generosity, and most of all for the love, the love that can only come from believing. Every time things seem to be narrowing down and getting dark, our Lord and Savior slaps me with a reminder that he exists and most of all, hasn't forsaken me. Thank you. Merry Christmas, and the spirit of the season remain within your heart throughout the coming year. I love that, just a simple thank you card from one life, one family that we touched. This is how we're flowing into our community, and all of the kids that came to that angel tree party who have parents in prison are from this community. They're local. So we are working on building a long-term relationship with them, seeing how we can support them. We also flowed into Skid Row and fed thousands of people uh, over Christmas and throughout the year. Globally, we gave more than $50,000 away to Nazarene missions and education projects compassionate ministry. We have Nazarene churches in the Middle East who are caring for Syrian refugees. I love being part of a church that has a global reach, and you're giving a portion that goes towards projects like that, exactly that project. Uh, We also run with Team World Vision. We raised $30,000 in 2016. That's more than $100,000 in the last four years for clean water. That's 2,000 kids that never have to go and pick up dirty water again. Uh, We also support Maria Lim, who's a missionary in China, who works with at risk teens who are suffering from internet addiction. We support Vikasita Ministries. You'll see this right here. That's Pastor Steven teaching a group of seminarians. He's, this is a Bible school that he started. They also care for widows <coughs> and orphans. They send out missionaries. An amazing ministry. We are partners with them. So we asked God to help us become a river church, to flow into our communities, to flow into the world and make a difference. And he is doing that, and I praise God for that. God answers our prayer when we say, "God use us." He loves to answer that prayer, and so we have been praying now for 2017. What is our direction this year? So let's turn the. Everyone, go like this, and go like this. Okay, so we're turning the page. That's turning the page. I just invented a new dance move: turning the page, turning the page, right? Turning the page. We're praying for direction this year, and the last sermon series that we did in December was called Hope Has a Name, and of course, that name is Jesus. We talked about that, but you know, we didn't quite finish the series, because there's one more thing that we need to say about that, and that is that hope has a name, but hope also needs a symbol, right? Give me an example of a symbol in our culture of hope. The Statue of Liberty, right? People coming into the shore and they see the Statue of Liberty and they feel inspired, right? Hope it represents the very best of our ideals. What's another one? Another symbol of hope? The cross, yes. It's another one. That's right. Superman's S, right? Which now you will always see superimposed on my chest right? whenever you think of me. Right? Superman's S, the Statue of Liberty, these are symbols of hope. Now, here's a question for you. I want you to think about this. Don't just answer with the first thing that comes into your head. What is the symbol of the hope that we have in Jesus Christ? What is that symbol? Someone said the dove. Somebody might say the cross. Heaven. Well, let me share a verse that I think lays it out really clear. This is the symbol, the hope that we have in Christ. From Colossians 1 God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles. The glorious riches of this mystery, the mystery of the gospel, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. You see, the symbol that God has given the world, that is the hope, the symbol of our hope, is you. It's the church. You. Christian Christ in you is the hope of glory this glorious mystery that God has chosen to make known to the world this mystery that somehow Jesus the word made flesh came to us lived and died on our behalf made a way for us to come home loves us despite all of our sins with all of our flaws and rescues and redeems us and we can know God and God can be in us, this mystery of the gospel. The symbol of that hope is you. The symbol of our hope is not a church steeple. It's not even a cross. It's not even a dove, right? You see, the early church had no buildings. So... The symbol of their hope couldn't be a building, couldn't be a church steeple. And the symbol of hope was not even uh, the cross, the instrument of Jesus' execution. People at that time, the early Christians, didn't carve out little wooden crosses and put them around their necks and wear them like bling. Right? They didn't do that. That came later. But from the beginning, The symbol, the only symbol they had was Christ in them, was their lives. Is the cross central to our faith? Absolutely, but it is not the object of our faith. The cross is not the object of our faith. Jesus is the object of our faith. The the symbol of the hope that we have in Christ is not just the death of Christ, right, which is what we think of when we think of the cross. But the symbol of our hope is also the fact that he was raised from the dead. So we might rise to new life with him. And the visible symbol of that life is not a building or a cross, but you, Christ in you. And so, my friends, we are the outreach strategy, right? You are the outreach strategy. We are the proof. We are the trophy. We are the testimony. We are the evidence. (coughs) And so if Christ is truly in us. Wherever we go, people will notice. Just like if you saw me walking down the street with a big S on my chest and a cape flowing behind my back. You would notice, wouldn't you? Right? Or if you were driving down the street and suddenly, like down Garfield, you see the Statue of Liberty, they go, what? Right? And so if we are living in Christ, people will notice and say, what is with that person? Something unusual. It's like a luxury car driving down the street like my 2008 Kia Sedona, right? It's not a luxury car, but all heads turn, right, when you see a a luxury car going down the street. People are supposed to look at you. This is amazing. People are meant to look at you and be filled with hope. In the same way that we might look at the look at the statue of liberty, be filled with hope, but a different kind of hope, an everlasting hope. People are supposed to look at you and feel hopeful, not condemned or judged or disgusted because we're hypocritical, but hopeful because they see Christ in you and they experience the love, the joy, and the peace, and grace, and mercy, and kindness, and forgiveness of Christ through you. And there are a few. Instances. I just want to point your attention to you. Things over the past year that totally inspired me. And I know they inspired you. One was uh, Larry O'Brien, who attends our Roland Heights campus, was here for a long time. Larry is married to Pranny, our missionary with uh, InterVarsity. But Larry, uh, in uh, October, November, came before the church um, during the offering time with a bottle of alcohol. And he said... I need to confess something to all of you. He said, for years I've had a drinking problem. And I've tried to quit and I can't. And a year ago, when I started my men's discipleship group with Pastor Johnny, the Lord said to me, if you give up the bottle, I will release blessings in your life. And I have been ignoring him and ignoring him and ignoring him and I don't want to do it anymore. So what he did was he went out to the store and he bought the most expensive bottle of beer because that was his thing, most expensive bottle of beer that he could find. It was like 60 bucks, some fancy German beer or something, right? And he said, and I'm leaving this at the altar and I want this to be the last drink that I ever buy. And after church, we went outside, me and his wife and his beautiful boy, and he poured out that entire bottle at the foot of the cross. And he said, I want you all to be bear witness and hold me accountable. I just got goosebumps. There were grown men weeping in the church that day. Why does that touch us so much? Hold on to that thought. The other person I want to point attention to is Molly. Molly Ramos, right here. Now, I don't know about you, right? Right? But when we're worshiping on Sundays, I want to stand next to her. (laughs) Because she is so full of joy when she worships God. It's like she only has eyes for Jesus. And it's like she's hearing from God during that time and just having a conversation with God. It's a beautiful thing. And I think of the relationship, the intimacy that Jesus had with the Father. And I experience that when I'm next to you, Molly. I love that. I love that about you. Next week, you're going to have, like, all these people, like, grouting, grouty. All the people are going to be in this section. Like, nobody's going to be over here. And then another one is our very own Pastor Johnny, who this year has had a couple of opportunities to reach out to the gay community after the year's shootings in Orlando he brought some flowers and a card down to uh, the local gay bar. He just went on Yelp and said, where's Lowe's gay bar? The nearest gay bar. And he went there, and we went there one night to, uh, it's, it's like the beginning of a joke, right? Like two pastors walking to a gay bar. <laughs> but that's what we did. <laughs> and, uh, and we just, we got to know the bartender and everything, some people there. It was a wonderful, just connecting time. And we, uh, Johnny got a lot of, emails and messages saying thank you for what you're doing. Some people saying I've, I've been hurt by the church, I haven't been back in years but I have hope now, right? It's amazing. And this is him standing over at, uh, at, at ELAC with a, just a big sign saying God loves undocumented students, LGBTQIA students, black students, Muslim students, immigrant students, and students of color. And you got a lot of positive feedback that day just from doing that. One more. This is Chris Wong. Uh, the last time we went down to Skid Row to feed the homeless. And this gentleman here, uh, we, were, we gave him his, his Christmas meal and he's, he could not literally could not hold his plate up uh, because he's, he's elderly, he's got some health issues. And so his food was just kept falling off of his plate. And so uh, Chris didn't miss a beat. He just instinctively got on his knees and held his plate for him while he ate. And it's this beautiful image of just selfless serving and compassion. Now what do Larry and Molly and Johnny and Chris all have in common? You see, they're very different, right? When Chris worships, he's like this. (laughs) Molly's like, you know? Very different, very different people. Molly, I don't think you have a drinking problem, right? So we're very different. But what is the same In all of... Why do they inspire us? Why do we notice? Because it's Christ in us, right? This is the natural consequence of Christ being in us. And we see the power of the gospel work in a visible, tangible way. God changing lives, inhabiting his church, using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Christ in us. And so this, my friends, last year, if our theme was flow. This year, our theme is Christ in us. Christ in us. This is what we want for every single person here. For Christ to dwell more fully in you. And I want to have uh, now Cheryl and um, Karen come up and share just a brief testimony about how Christ was in them in their missions trip down to Mexico. To Share a little bit about what happened, and then we're going to wrap things up.
2: Hi, church. I'm Karen Bustamante. I have my handy-dandy notes here, which I, now I can't read them. But anyways, okay, so um, let me tell you, first of all, why I decided to go on the missions trip. Uh, when I first came here to Trinity, they had a, I don't remember what it was called, but had that fair where they had all the different... Um, services that you could do here at the church. And Gracie had the table with the missions. And I told her, I want to go on a missions trip. That was a few years ago. And that was as far as it went. And then when I feel like God answered my prayer, when Pastor John asked me if I wanted to go for Christmas with the, the youth, the families, right? And I thought, yeah, I want to go. I want to go see where my grandson has been going the last four years. I want to know what it feels like to, um, to, do something sacrificially to leave the conveniences and comfort of home. And also, um, I wanted a different kind of Christmas. You know, I didn't want the Christmas that was just buying gifts, getting into debt, everybody at my family drinking, eating, and and not even thinking about Christ, you know. And I wanted my Christmas to be different, so that's why I decided to go. And I have to tell you and be real that, uh, like, maybe two weeks before we were gonna leave, I wasn't gonna go because of some personal issues with uh, with my grandson who was going, and I didn't know if I was gonna be able to go and keep my eyes off of him and not be focused on his behavior. I'll be honest, you know. And I had sent Pastor John a text saying that uh, that I, there was a glitch, and I never got a response to that text. And you know what? And I just prayed to God, and I said, you know what, God? Why am I going? You know, I'm going because I want you to use me. I'm not going to see how my grandson behaves down there or how he behaves with the other people. Um, I, I just want to go because I want you to take me there and see what's going to happen. So I'm so grateful that I, we went. And um, it, it, it was a crazy trip, you know, um, the traffic just to get across the border, um, the little things that happened when we were going. Uh, I'm just going to tell you, uh, you know, from my point of view, like Friday night, um, we crossed the border. It was still daylight Well, getting towards evening. By the time we got to Ensenada, it was already nighttime. And, uh, oh, you know what? I want to thank Pastor John and the church for supporting us and John for, for putting this whole thing together. He doesn't see any obstacles, let me tell you, because that first night I was in the van riding with the family from Roman Heights, and we go and we stop to go pick up uh, Pastor's son, right, because he was going to do the worship at the women's rehab. <laughs> and there's no place to put this guy. And he has this big old speaker and this big old keyboard. And I'm like, where the heck is this thing going to go, right? In my mind, I'm thinking, oh, no, John, there is no room for this person. You know, you, something has to change. Well, yeah, it did change. His wife jumped from his car to our van. Uh, one of the kids, I was sitting in the seat, sat in the middle. And um, the driver, Janice, what inspired me was she said, we don't say no in this car. And that just really touched me you know, because they didn't see any obstacles. So there we are with the big old speaker on Sandy's lap and the keyboard sitting across us, you know, going out one window to the other. And there we go, right? And I'm thinking, ay, ay, ay. And I'm like one of the, I am the oldest person on the trip. I have to go to the bathroom. There is no stopping for bathroom. And then uh, we're following John, and his car gets two flats. Not one, two. And so there we are, parked there waiting, and uh, thank God the little man at the store let us use his restroom. And we got from there to the women's rehab, and we were late. That was another hallmark of our trip. We were late for everything. And, um, but you know what? The people there were gracious enough to wait for us. So they waited for us to get there Friday, and we had dinner, we had worship. My grandson did a testimony, and I was able to hear how God has used him. You know, God is using and working through my son, my grandson. And so that was uh, Friday. It's raining. And then Saturday morning, we get up, and we're going to go to the different homes to do the bug beds. And it's pouring, raining, cats and dogs. And in my mind, I was thinking, if it would have been me running the show, I would have said, oh, no, we got to reschedule, right? Too much rain. But, no, we didn't do that. And out we went, you know, caravaned out there and different families. A few of the families got to actually be left off at the house, right? And then we left him there. And I'm going to tell you, I was, I was scared. I didn't want to be left at a house by myself because I envisioned myself on the floor with the directions and all the, the screws and everything. And me with my grandson, the two of us together, I was like, oh, no, that's going to be a disaster. But you know what? Uh, it didn't happen. I didn't actually get left. We didn't get left by ourselves. But we got to help other families do that. And I just want to tell you that what impressed me about that is... Um, these people that are living down there, you know, they don't have nothing. You know, we, I, I, I think of myself and, and how I'm never satisfied with what I have, you know, constantly getting rid of stuff and replacing it with ten more things, you know. And, uh, and I see these people, and they were happy to see us, you know, the joy on their face. And um, it just really, really impressed me. And then while we were there at each family's house, Pastor, well, Pastor John prayed over them, you know. And they prayed, and, you know, they have that faith and hope and trust in Jesus Christ, their lives are so simple, you know. And some of the houses, they were all different. Some of them had um, a stove in them. One house had a stove and a bathroom inside. Another one didn't have that. You know, you had to go outside and use a restroom or you had to take a bucket to to flush the toilet to make the water go down. One house didn't have any light. We are trying to put a bed together with no light so people are holding their phones up, with, you know, to get light, to put the bed together. You know, and, and that's what happened on Saturday. And then Sunday we got up. And we got up and we went to church and we got to go to Lucent Empoder where the kids have been going the last four years and we were late, you know, and they waited for us like a half hour to do their service, which I thought was pretty impressive because in my mind I would have said, who the heck are these people making us wait? And that was, you know, I want to tell you that while I was there, the enemy was at work because in my mind those negative thoughts were telling me, you know what, you wouldn't do this or you wouldn't do that and all this constant negativity going through my head, you know, and... Um, And so I had that battle going on in my mind, you know. But, you know, God is good because he answered with everything that the enemy threw at me. The response I got back was that look of gratitude on somebody's face. The little kids when they were opening up the gifts, you know, and told me that what I was doing and why I was there was I was accomplishing something. You know, I didn't actually put a bed together. You know, with my hands, I didn't actually do anything. And I thought, well, why am I here? What is my purpose? You know, well, like, you know, Pastor Albert just shared, to be that hope, the glory of Christ and that I have in me to share that with those people there, you know. And uh, so Sunday we did the service and one of the highlight we were there and one of the highlights for me was that when I seen the pastor walk to the door and he puts his arms out like this, Ricardo. he's talking to my grandson. You know, and for a grandmother to see that love that somebody else has for their child, their grandson, just made me feel really good. That I know that my grandson, the last four years, you know, that he has made an impact on those people. And I got to sit with the pastor's wife, and she told me uh, some of the things he does while he's down there. You know, so I know everything now, Richard, about what really goes on down there. And so that was also good. And then, you know, then we went to the, the, the kids' home, and once again, we were late. And they were waiting for us, you know. And, uh, and I think I want to tell you just this. And that was probably the biggest struggle that I had was when we got to the kids' home because I really felt out of place, you know, because we walked in there and they were eating and they were looking at us. In my mind, I was thinking they're thinking, I was thinking what they were thinking for them, right? Like, why are we here? You know, I felt like the ugly American. I just, all kinds of negative stuff going through my head and I didn't know what to do with myself, I had to do something. So I went into the kitchen, and I volunteered to start washing the dishes because the ladies in there were cooking. And I thought, oh, okay, I could do that. I could do that. I could wash dishes. And so I get in there, and I'm starting to wash the dishes. And this man comes, and he goes, oh, let me bring you some water. And I'm like, what? There's no running water there. You have to go get the water out of a barrel, right, put some soap in it, wash the dishes, and then you're supposed to rinse the dishes. I don't know how they do it. You know, without using up the whole barrel of water because that's what I would have done. So he showed me where the barrel was. I went and I was just getting my own water to do it. And then when I did what they did, I thought, you know, I'm getting out of here because I don't want to wash the rest of these dishes. Because How do you do it without using up all their water? You know, I take for granted turning on the faucet and letting the water run. And I know we have a drought here, you know, and I still take for granted simple running water. You know, and they don't have that down there, and they didn't have any electricity except in the kitchen and in the, the big living room where they eat. You know, and um, so we had dinner with them, and you know, they were very generous and, and uh, their hospitality, and and then that was the only place we actually saw a Christmas tree was in that one uh, group home. In the homes we went to, there was no Christmas tree, there was no presents. Um, people were sleeping on the floor. You know, uh, it was just they lived in real poverty down there. And um, so then we did the the presents, and I'm sitting there thinking, well, what do I do? You know, because the one thing that Pastor John told us was that we couldn't be off by ourselves. We had to get and mingle with the people. We had to talk to them. And I have a hard time talking to my own neighbor in English, let alone, you know, strangers, complete strangers in Spanish, and my Spanish isn't that good but anyways, what I did, what everybody else was doing was I got on the floor and helped try to assemble a little train track that I didn't even, couldn't even do it. I had to ask somebody to help me, you know. And then after that was over, I don't know if they showed it on the videos or not, but we did a little conga dance, you know, dancing around. I said, we need to do something. And so we were dancing. And there was this one little girl that I asked her, come on, join us. And she said in Spanish, me da vergüenza," which means I feel, that'll give me embarrassment. I'll feel ashamed. And I said, no, I don't feel like that. And so anyways, at the end, when we were finished and leaving, she hugged me, you know. And so, you know what, I I had asked myself, did I do any major accomplishment down there? Did I make a bunk bed? No. Did I fix their electricity? No. Um, What did I do? Did I bring anybody, lead them in the sinner's prayer? No. I didn't do any of that. You know, but what I did was that I sat on that floor. I was willing to get dirty I was willing to uh, wash those dishes. I was willing to push the little girl on the swing, you know, and I was willing to just um, be present and, and to try to show that love that Jesus has so graciously given me, you know. And so I want to encourage you all to, you know, the next time you have an opportunity, if you have an op- well, yeah, there's going to be opportunities. To the men, we got to see what you had started. So I want to encourage you to go back and finish it you know, because it looks pretty awesome. If I knew how to do carpentry stuff, I would go, you know, and to the families in the youth group that, um, that didn't have an opportunity to go, you know, for whatever reasons, you know, it was just a true blessing, you know, to just to be there with my grandson serving, to be with those other families serving, have an opportunity to get to know each other a little bit better, and most of all to let, you know, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ stretch me a little bit more. And I'm looking forward this year to being stretched some more. You know, so whatever's up, I'm count me in, all right? So anyways, thank you very much.
3: Thanks, Karen. All right, we're going to show you a little video, and then Cheryl's <laughs> going to share. Uh...
1: Okay, so everybody knows I hate standing in front of a group of people talking without starting to cry or tear up. But anyway, so I have, I I made the the slideshow really long so I could talk really short. (laughs) But um, (laughs) we had so many trials throughout this trip and um, you know, from like what Karen said, day one, you know, having the flat tires, getting, you know, arriving late to the women's center, um, let's see, having to deal with the rain and the mud and the hail and, you know, I, I didn't get left, I mean, like Karen, I didn't get left in any of the, the homes. But, you know, they were really small homes. And we take it for granted that, you know, we can go into our bathrooms and flush the toilet or even have a bathroom and, um, you know, to have running water, have electricity. You know, they had generators for electricity. Only in those homes where, you know, they were really, really, um, you know, they were blessed to have electricity. Um, so, you know, we really, I think we really take it for granted. And, you know, I was talking to Emmy last night to try to figure out what's the difference between what they, um, what they experience in the summertime versus what we experience. And, um, our, what we finally came up to, to conclusion was that, you know, this winter, this Christmas trip, this was, um. This was just, it was like boot camp style. You know, I mean, John, he, he told us, you know, I just want to go there, and I just we're just going to take our time, we're going to relax, and that wasn't true. He had our schedules booked, like, every single minute. We had to get there on time. I mean, we weren't on time, we were late, you know, we had to deal with the rain and stuff like that, flat tires, um, getting stuck in mud, um, you know, but we had all of these trials, and... Yet every single person on that trip was filled with so much joy and so much love, and you know we all had um, we had a job to do, you know, and everybody did it, and we you know there was no complaining. Um, so, like Karen said, if you have the opportunity to be part of this um, a mission trip or you know helping out with a mission uh, missionary. Uh, trips, you know, take it, you know, because all the things that, that you guys do to support the mission um, trips is, you know, it just benefits all of these people and, you know, these, these kids were in so much um, need, but yet they were so happy, you know, how is it that, that they could have such a hard life and, and yet be so joyful? So, you know, be part of the mission trip. Um, be filled because you will experience so much joy and um, be filled with, you know, the Holy Spirit, right? Um, so we were, it, it, was, it was a big rush, but, um, you know, I just really encourage all of you to, to participate.
3: Good job. Oh, good job. Um, just want to say one thing real quick. Uh, Andre and Eileen, uh, Benton, Bonnie, Brian, Jennifer, think this trip would have happened without, especially you three, you three families. Every time the youth group wants to try something different and I'm a pretty wild guy, I just tried new things like a Christmas trip, on, I mean a mission trip on Christmas day. You guys are always first in line to help and whatever I ask, uh, I just want to say thank you I, I love you, and I just want I just really value and appreciate you guys um, this trip um, i 'm going to be really honest my wife wasn 't particularly on board with it originally because Christmas time is Christmas time, but uh just one thing you got to know about me as a christian when when God puts something on my heart, I really try my best to say yes, and if that has to if that means having to sacrifice whatever it looks like, then so be it. And um, this trip was a mission trip within a mission trip. I am the youth pastor, and I love the youth. When you love the youth, that means you also love the parents. So my mission trip was to give the families an opportunity to actually spend Christmas in a way that's different, in a way that's giving, in a way that's dirty. in a way that's smelly, in a way that's cold, but in a way that they'll always, uh, that's memorable, and that they could serve the people in Ensenada in a way that would inspire them. And um, that was my mission trip. Their mission trip was to help with the bunk beds and the toys and all that. Uh, Mine was for the youth and the families. And I just wanna thank everybody here at Trinity. You guys, yeah, like, let me do stuff like that, and I just, I can't believe it. And it's just, it's a joy to be your youth pastor, and it's a blessing and an honor. I love y'all. Thank you.
0: Thank you. Um, in reality, our team didn't go down uh, to, you know, serve a bunch of strangers. Uh, they spent the holidays with family. They spent the day with not just each other, uh, but we consider our friends in Ensenada our family. We've been there a number of times now and built relationships. And so they, they imagine how many people went to visit family over the holidays, right? I did, mine was in Canada. They went down to visit some of our family <laughs> in Mexico. And to take care of their needs. If you had a family member who needed a bed, would you provide one? Right? This is what family does for each other. And so thank you, uh, Pastor John and team for, for doing that. Uh, again, this is Christ in us, right? Uh, St. Patrick, um, anybody know who St. Patrick is, right? guy with the, I oh, I'm thinking of leprechauns. <laughs> the guy with the, um, what do you think about on St. Patrick's Day, with the little clover and everything. Everybody know why he uh, is known for the clover? why Clover is associated with St. Patrick's Day. But well, the story goes that, that you know uh, St. Patrick would use the Clover as an illustration for the Trinity, and that's, that's why. Right? Uh, but he was a 5th century Rome, uh, uh, Roman-British uh, Christian missionary, bishop in Ireland, and uh, medieval tradition credits him with bringing Christianity to that part of the world. And this is a prayer that he wrote. And it goes, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit, Christ when I stand. Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me, Christ in every ear that hears me. Amen. And I think that's beautiful. And that expresses the heart of what uh, what we're going for this year. Real quick, I want to give a quick uh, overview of what we're doing. Give me about five, ten more minutes and we'll be done. Um, But in two weeks, we're going to start a campaign called Love Where You Live. This is our reintroduction to the community. Our reintroduction to the community. Uh, And there are three things that we're going to do during this campaign. We're going to spend six weeks doing these things. Number one, we are going to get to know the communities that we live in. And we're going to make some new friends along the way. Okay? So we want everyone to join a community group. Okay? We had sign-ups in the fall, but if you, if you didn't get uh, part of one, just send us an email. Come to talk to Pastor Johnny, and we will set you up or fill out one of those connection cards. Just tell us somehow, put me in a group. We'll put you in the one that's closest to where you live. Okay? Because the point of this is that we're going to want to love the places and the people where we live. We're going to get to know the communities we live in, make new friends along the way. You're going to join a group. And over six weeks, you're going to do a bunch of outings. Every week, you're going to do something a little different. Maybe one week, you're going to visit the fire department. Another week, you're going to, visit a, you're going to attend a city hall meeting and, uh, and get to know our local officials. Maybe help out at the Boys and Girls Club. Uh, maybe just hang out at the park, have a park day, have a barbecue in the park. You're going to get to know the places where you live and make new friends along the way. Secondly, we're going to listen as you're talking to people in your community. Listen, right? What do you think about how things have changed in our city? What would you improve? Uh, what, what do you think we need more of? Listen to the needs around us and then maybe start to come up with some creative ways to meet them. You know, we could do something about that, you know, so think about those things. Thirdly, and we're going to go through this all together, okay? So I'm just giving you an overview here, but we're also going to invite people to visit our church and explore what it means to become a follower of Jesus. There are two days where we encourage you in particular. You can invite people anytime, but two days in particular that we're inviting you uh, to to ask people to come to the church. One is our kickoff, our kickoff party, which is going to be on the 22nd, okay, January 22nd. That's our official relaunch on this campus. On the 29th, we're going to do the same thing over in Roland Heights. They're going to be one week behind, but we're going to do these two campaigns together. So that's a good time. We're going to talk about our history as a church. We're going to introduce ourselves to our community. Good time to bring people. And then over the next six weeks, you're going to meet some people. And we let you invite them to come to the final day of the campaign, the first Sunday in March, And invite them to come for our open house where people are going to, we're going to have little booths outside to introduce all the different things that we do. Uh, We're going to have uh, food. It'll be really fun. So invite people to come to the first Sunday and the last Sunday. But of course, any Sunday in between. This whole series is going to be about how we love the place where we live. So what are we supposed to do? Two simple phrases. We want you to get into groups. We want you to get out of the house. Okay, so during that six weeks, get into a group and together together. Get out of the house. Engage your community. Don't just sit and binge watch Netflix all night. Get out of there, uh, you know, and, and meet people. All right, that's what we're asking you to do. So as we uh, finish up here, I want to tell you a quick story, um, and then I want to. We're going to close in prayer. Uh, somebody who I love uh, very much, I mean, someone very close to me, um, is going through probably one of the worst, darkest times of her life. And she is so discouraged. And uh, we've been spending a lot of time just talking, counseling, just trying to uh, help her and her family kind of grasp what is happening and, and how to find a way forward. And in the middle of their tears and their, uh, you know, and their frustration, they keep asking this question. They say, Albert, is it possible for people to change? Because... They don't feel that, that there's any hope. that Because in this family, things need to change. People need to change. And they're wondering if that's possible. And I don't know about you, but maybe you've wondered, maybe there's something about you that you're like, I, I just, I feel like I'm never going to change. I'm just always stuck this way. I'm always going to struggle with this. I'm always going to have this pain. I'm always going to be disappointed in this way. Or maybe it's somebody that close to you. Maybe your spouse. I just They're never going to change. They're always going to be that the way that they are. Our family's just going to be, we're just going downhill. It's never going to get better. And we start to give up hope. And our country, our politics, our, our government, not going to change. The world's not going to change. And so the, the cry of a lot of people's heart is, do people change? And I said to my friend, I said, oh, yes. This is why I follow Jesus. Because the hope of the gospel is that God changes hearts, changes us from the inside out. The gospel is not about just going to heaven. It's about Christ being formed and birthed in us and us becoming an entirely different kind of people. It's about redemption. It's about renewal of all things, beginning with us. If I didn't believe that God could lead people to change, I wouldn't be, do- I wouldn't be following Jesus.
1: I wouldn't be doing what I'm
0: doing. Yes, I believe with all my heart that people can and do change. And Jesus is the reason I believe in. God is in the business of changing lives, transforming the human heart. Christ in us is the hope of glory. Every year I write a new prayer for the church. I ask the Holy Spirit to give me the words To express what it is that we're asking God for. And so here is our prayer for 2017. If we could stand and let's read it together. Oh Lord, our God, let's read together. You have chosen to make yourself known through your creation, your word, your son, and your spirit. Now, reveal your glory to us and through us. The church. Speak to us, form us, lead us, dwell in us, teach us today how to love as Jesus loves, to welcome the stranger, to heal the sick, and care for the poor, to bear good news, build bridges, and bring your people home. For Christ in us is the hope of glory. May your perfect will prevail in us this day.